0: Are living through Jewish demonology. Wow. Oh, oh! I feel the energy of love. Thank you so much. <laughs> we're so grateful to the uh, the new Jewish, the new Jewish Media Festival for having us out for this taping. Um, it's our second ever live taping, so we're extremely nervous. Thank you all for giving us kizik, for making us feel good and welcome here. It's been really, really a pleasure. Alan, how are you doing? Baruch Hashem. Bar Hashem. That's our signal that we're ready to get started. <laughs> So basically, just a very quick introduction, because really we've got two audiences here, right? All of you gorgeous people who thank you for getting so dolled up for this evening. You really didn't have to do it for us. (laughs) Everyone in their ball gowns and their three-piece suits. Isn't that fun that you can just lie at an audio audio medium and nobody can? (laughs) Um, so wonderful. 1, people. I know. Look at this. It's really just like Madison Square Garden all over again. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much for looking all pretty for us tonight. You didn't have to do that. Um, but we've got this audience here tonight, which we're so happy to be speaking with. And then we've got our regular podcast listeners. So for the sake of those of you who may be new to throwing shade, we'll tell you a little bit about who we are. So a couple times a month when we you know get some time away from our not-shading children, they are not-shading. They're wonderful children. Um, when we get some time away from our kids, we sit down together and talk about Jewish texts and the many ways in which what we'll inaccurately and whatever, we'll describe them as demons every once in a while, it's not quite the perfect translation, but we talk about the many texts and the many ways that demons show up in Jewish text and tradition and how those texts can help make us better people, better living through Jewish demonology, who a it? um and so we'll give you a little bit of a taste of what we do with that tonight um but actually as as olivia mentioned we came in from chicago
1: right
0: right so one of the things that we did on the plane over here is we said a a wayfarer's prayer a a bracha that's called tefillah Haderech. right mm-hmm. can you say a little bit about what tefillah Haderech is well it's just that
2: it's a prayer of um anything you would want to be you know, hopeful for on a long and somewhat dangerous journey, which is <laughs> the truth is, it should be said whether it's dangerous or not, but, because mm-hmm. we don't really know. But um, right. But uh, the um, the idea being that anything could happen at any time.
0: Who knows? Who knows? Right. Especially so, when you're flying southwest. There's all kinds of more <laughs> miraculous things. <laughs> I like southwest. I loved it. It was great. Happy surprises. Happy surprises. Right. Exactly.
2: Um, so much love. Anyway, so... Um, I really
0: like playing the games on the napkins. That was cool. That was such a cute touch. Anyway, keep going.
2: They should pay us. They <laughs> should.
0: should. Um, this episode has not been brought to you by Southwest, <laughs> but someday.
2: Um, yeah, so so and so, Dere so, is a prayer including, for, for many things, including for, for protection. Yes. And we see that in the actual text of the prayer itself. Right. We um, wanted to bring this as an example of something you may find shading in that is very uh, sort of everyday. Right. Something you would say just sort of casually. And in our milieu where we where we where we exist in this you know time and place, um, we don't necessarily think of shading as being a real force. Right. Usually. Right. Generally speaking. But for most of Jewish history, that was not the case.
0: It's true, and for the sake of the podcast, we work under the following three assumptions: that shadim are real, that they are external, and that they are everywhere. So when, so one something that Alan sometimes says is that we're not talking about inner demons; we're talking about like the real thing, right? right. Exactly. So assuming those three things, let's take a look at Tzvi LaHadarek real quick.
2: Right. This would be an example of how shadim are everywhere.
0: Yes.
1: So not
2: just in the physical space of everywhere, but also in all kinds of texts that you would find. You don't have to go look into these very hard-to-find, rare, esoteric texts to find shading. Although
0: that's fun, and you should do that.
2: They're they're there. They're there as well. They're totally there. But they're also They're gentrifying everything.
0: They're moving (laughs) into (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> they're also in Tanakh. They're also in the Mishnah and Gemara, Just and everything makes sense. Yes.
0: In our last podcast, we talked about an example of um, demonic possession, um, one of our most listened episodes. Um, but we got, we talked about an example of how shadings show up in, in Tanakh, in these traditional stories that people are, that were being taught all the time, and we're not necessarily getting privy necessarily to these um, to these darker forces that are always lurking between the letters. Interesting.
2: Use, that you used the word lurking lurking yes
0: is this a segue it is a to talk about the thing that we actually intended to talk about from the very beginning right Shocking. let's do it
2: okay um right so um skipping ahead <laughs> um, so right so um protection
1: mm-hmm. right
2: so again just before i go into it a little bit of context that for most of jewish history shading were a very real part of the lives of everyday Jews, yeah. and in their things that they were, every, they were doing every day, including saying things like which is an ancient prayer. Yes. So um, so if we try and put ourselves in that mindset for a moment, I'm going to mm-hmm. go through a little bit of what it says mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. and try and imagine maybe what Jews mostly would think about throughout history when they would say this particular prayer.
0: Okay. The theater of the mind. Let's do it.
2: Right. So we're asking Hashem for protection.
0: God. Yes.
2: On our journey. Great. But protection from what? Exactly.
0: Oh. Thankfully, there's a list in the prayer itself. We're very, <laughs> <laughs> we're very thorough project managers of our
2: prayers. Yes. 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 Uh, right. So, uh, so, which is enemies, if we happen to be on the journey. There's you gotta
0: a- translate the whole thing for the people. That's what I'm doing. T- 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 okay.
2: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 to protect us from any an, enemies that might be there on the journey? I mm-hmm. so, enemies. Yes. Um, right. The erev um, is lurking.
0: Lurking. Right. Lurking so, things.
2: Lurking things. Okay. So kind of vague. Kind of gen, you know, and and already if you're like a middle-aged Jew, you're, you're you're you're. Oh no! Every exposed.
0: young woman knows what a lurking thing is. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Fine.
2: <laughs> um, um, uh, fine. <laughs> I uh, where am I here, uh, I want to make sure I get it right, uh, the lees team are like, you know, uh, humans. We're talking about people who are, you know, robbers, people who are out to get you, that sort of thing, lees mm-hmm. team. Uh, the, uh, the, and humans who intend to do physical harm. The highest rise, which is...
0: Chayot ra'ot.
2: Chayot ra'ot, which is often translated as wild animals.
0: Yeah. However,
2: that is like not what. Like squirrels and stuff. What?
0: Like dangerous squirrels. Or that rabbit from do Mother have, Python. Do
2: they have squirrels in Philadelphia ever from the moon? I am sure they do. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: Even those okay. black squirrels. You guys have those black yeah. squirrels? Those are beautiful. I
2: love them. Yeah. Um, so, right. Chai's Rice does not mean wild animals. No. Because the word ra. means evil. Means evil.
0: Yeah.
2: Evil. So, evil squirrels. Not exactly. Because evil is. Um, at least the word ra as it's understood in Hebrew, it's intentional. Some but some force or, pers- or body entity. Some, some force is intending to do evil. Right. And a wild animal doesn't have the kind of int- intention that is uh, intimated by the word ra. Yeah. It's wild, it's doing terrible things to people, but for other reasons, for survival or whatever. Right. Um, but it's acting, not, yes,
0: it, an instinct. It's
2: acting
0: instinct, from its... correct. That's that's how it does. Right. It's its natural way.
2: So then the question is chayas. OK,
0: chayot, yeah.
2: Right, animals. I'm not correcting you, by the way. For
0: everybody in the audience, <laughs> I, I act as the translator, and I speak my Sunday school Hebrew, whereas Alan speaks his Hasidish Hebrew. Right. So... But it's the same word. <laughs> it's the same word, um, chayas and Right, so... The, 10 years married. <laughs>
2: um, <laughs> So what, what exactly is being spoken about here? The, the word chayas does mean animals, but it also refers to a cast of the Malachi, the angels,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, which is the supernatural being. Um, again, angels isn't a perfect translation. Right. Um, but, uh, but there's a supernatural being called, these, called the chayas. Right. What's interesting about that is that there is uh, the that the, the Shadim have another have many names. One of their names is malachi Chabala, the the angels of destruction, mm-hmm. so we're talking about supernatural beings who are evil. Mm-hmm. That's one possible understanding, and again, if you're coming at this from a, from a, 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 the mind of somebody where Shadim are in everyday reality, it's not such right. a stretch. But I understand how you might, might not be with me so far, Because, yes? But, we're, we're not done yet. I'm with you. Are you now? I am. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but along the way, Omi kolmine furaniyais, hamis Okay.
0: Now this means... Furaniyot?
2: Yeah, from all different kinds of furaniyais, which is calamitous. Mm-hmm. It's often how it's translated. Right. Now when you think of a calamity, you usually think of a calamity as Jane. something that is... what?
0: Jane.
2: Jane, okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, uh, if you think of a calamity, you think of something that happens, that you don't want it to happen to you or anybody, right? But um, it just sort of happens,
0: right? It's what, unexpected and it's particularly unpleasant,
2: right? What's interesting about the wording here is which are excited yes, which are excited to happen anytime, right? Mm-hmm. So calamities so are like, that is, looking is forward excited?
0: to messing with me. Correct. Okay. A
2: calamity that is excited, and anticipating,
0: right, doing so something bad. So again, we've got this issue of intention. Correct. That it's not it's, just. It's, it's a exciting. Thing. It's that exciting. That happens out of right. nowhere. It's it's like looking forward to this. It's picking out its outfit. It's deciding, <laughs> you know, all of those things. Okay.
2: Right. Um, and then, if you're still not with me, the word l'oele. So what's interesting about that in this in this context is we're talking about. Uh, you say this prayer at a time when you're setting out, you're embarking on a journey. The elam mm-hmm. um, means anytime. So you're really you're praying for protection from all of this stuff, not all just the along the journey, but anytime. You right. just happen to say it at the point of the embarking on the journey.
0: Right. Well, and we've spoken before in previous episodes of the podcast about how Shadim, how demons, tend to show up in those liminal spaces, in times of transition, when you're not on your usual footing, when things have, things have changed, things are shifting, you're growing, you're entering a new stage, or mm-hmm. whatever it might be. So travel falls pretty neatly into that category.
2: Right, and there's other, and I'm glad you brought that up. There are, i just just to say it briefly, because I wanna to get to other things, but um, there are things in a person's home, that, in a, in a Jewish person's home, that are there, that act as protection against shade. Sure. So for as long as the person is in a person's, in in their home or in, a, in a, even in a business, you could you could find these things. Um, excuse
0: so me. a mezuzah, for instance, Who said um, that? which could be a yeah, ten right. points, a plus. Right. Hold, um, on right. Hold on to that. Right. On to that. Which could be in some ways considered a kind of protective amulet against these these darker forces that lurk everywhere.
2: Right. So um, right. So uh, when you're on the journey, those things are not protecting. Right, we're talking about this liminal space. There
0: are karmazizas. This is a okay. capitalism yeah. has made the karmazesas happen. That's true. <laughs> um.
1: But, um,
0: you know, I'm not sure where they go. I think
2: there are better ways to, in the car.
0: Anyway, um. <laughs> you got your GPS, you got your you know, your XM radio, and you got your karmazesas, and you're ready to go.
2: I'm gonna respectfully let that one slide. <laughs> And then just keep going. Um,
0: this the, episode of the podcast has been brought to you by Karmazuza. <laughs> just
2: kidding. No. Um, right. So. Uh, I'm just uh, going to start a Kickstarter real quick. Just give right. uh, um, <laughs> Yes. So, that last point I want to make about that is that the word which means anytime, forever, whatever, right. is from the Hebrew word, Hebrew word for. Shares the n'alam, unseen.
1: Mm. So, now, it,
2: yeah. so when you add it all together, you can remember all the way back to the beginning of this phrase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Komen calamities which are excited to come and they're unseen.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Sounds like shading to me. Right. But maybe you're still not with me,
2: right? So. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're with me. I'm with you. You're not reading your audience. I'll just but keep going. I'll
2: it's just okay. say. That the shi'asadereh continues in some muskais in some traditions. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, there are many uh, references to Malachi, angels, to angels yeah. on the good side, mm-hmm. and we know from the long-time listeners of our podcast will know that the best way to protect a person against these demonic forces is shadim is to do mitzvahs. Mm-hmm. Every you time a person, on every time a person does a mitzvah, oh. a malach is created. Oh. And these malachim act as protection. So what we're doing as part of this tefillah, as part of this, this, this um, prayer, is we are reminding God, so to speak, of the good things we've done, act, asking that these malachim, these, the, the mitzvahs that we've done, asking these malachim to, to protect us on our journey.
1: Nice.
2: Um, including, so it says, ki nice. malach We're talking, it's a post that talks about the malachim later on, we, we have Tayyim, um, Hashem, Kasher, Ra'am, another Pasuk, Ra'am, and I'm just going to say this briefly, I know you want to translate it, but I'll just, Ra'am is the first letters of Rafal, uh, Uriel, and Michal. Oh. so that's so Raphael, to, to Uriel, a- Michael. For, yes, the, other, the, the, the bigger Hebrew. angels. In case ours aren't good enough, we got the, we got the, big, right. the big guns. On well, our why side. would you sit on
0: the line with customer service when you can just ask for the supervisor?
2: Sure. Right. Right. So uh, and and so we're 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 uh, collecting yeah. our good energy on this on this on this.
0: Uh, Every time you say a bracha or a prayer, an angel gets its wings. Wow. Well,
2: <laughs> becomes created.
0: Yeah. With fine. wings, it totally it, works. They get fine, the reference. Fine. Come fine. Amazing. Okay, so that's one little example of where shading kind of sneak their way into texts and the assumptions that, for a lot of Jewish history, we've operated under that they are real, that they are everywhere, that mm-hmm. they are external. Um, but so now that we have a little bit of that taste, um, Alan, I understand that you have a you have a question for our listening audience today.
2: Yes. Um, thank you for asking. This is the meat. This is the meat of the... Yes,
0: we're getting episode. into the, We're vegetarians, though, we're, so we're getting into the tofu or the seitan or something. Whatever it is. We're, yeah. s- we're segueing now
2: into the main part of it. Um, and so, you yeah, I think it's also appropriate this time of year. I'm going to give you seven defining characteristics
0: uh-huh.
2: of someone. You tell me who I'm thinking of.
0: Okay. Okay? Okay. Everybody ready?
2: Yeah. All right. Okay. The audience can, you know...
0: They still look gorgeous, by oh, the way. Right. This is such an attractive crowd. Okay. Yeah. What are the
2: okay, characteristics? Wears red. Uh huh. Enters through a chimney. Works uh-huh. at night. Uh-huh. Uh, can travel long distances instantaneously. Alan. <laughs> sees you when you're sleeping and knows when you're awake. Okay. <laughs> eats food that's left out unatt- unattended. Mm
0: Mm
2: hmm. And, uh,. I don't I think kids, this last one's going to be a scene. you hold the other one yeah hold us, hold those, Yes. Okay. I, you should be able to figure out what I'm thinking of with those six. But. Santa okay.
0: Santa Claus. Sam, yeah. So, so, I think you mean to describe some kind of shade, but yeah. Alan, it sounds an awful lot like you're describing Santa Claus.
2: Well, I just want to... Uh, <laughs> Yes, I I think it's an interesting, let's put it this way, I think it's an interesting juxtaposition to know that Santa (laughs) Mm -hmm. in the sort of American modern uh, understanding, I'm not talking about the historical St. Nicholas or person who's known as St. Nicholas. Right, a
0: genuine mensch who would like actually give a lot of his money and presents to what we would call today underprivileged children. But we're talking more about the like 1931 Santa invented by the Coca-Cola Company. Something like that, yeah, I
2: I mean there's, um, there's also other versions, like in other parts of the of the world, I understand. But like, mm-hmm. this, I'm just I'm talking about just as we understand Santa in America today.
0: Yeah.
2: It's there's an awful lot of parallels. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, yeah.
0: So wait. So let me get this straight. Hold on. So we're working under the premise that Shady are real. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Right. Well.
0: Yeah. Um, and you are about to make an argument that maybe Santa is a shade. So we're, we're spending our podcast time here at the Jewish New Media Festival arguing that Santa is real. Yeah? I'm so ready. Let's do it. So. Okay. Okay, so the first thing you said was where's red. So red. what's the red thing? What does that have to do with shading? So,
2: right. So the color red yes. definitely has connections to shading.
1: Yes.
2: And there are a couple of different ways to approach this.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the, so, A, we know that red in Kabbalah is... is, is um, is uh, associated with the side of the Bura
0: of, 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 of strength of God's or sometimes power. sometimes it's translated as restraint, sort of holding back. Right. Which and, I think is a beautiful connection to strength. Right. And That's as, for another conversation.
2: And as such, um, it's traditional for people to use the color red uh, as uh, at least in the Ashkenazi tradition, mm-hmm. to use the color red as a way to repel the And Hence the my pants
0: today. Exactly. Sure.
2: Um, And uh, so... So red
0: repels the Ayanhara. Which is a shade. Which is a shade. Yes. Right. So if you hear somebody say something like, Blee Ayanhara.
2: Or Kinahara. Or Kinahara. Yeah. um,
0: Then it's basically saying, we don't want this shade, this particular demon, to infringe on whatever it is that we want to have happen. Right. Okay.
2: Um, Now I know it sounds like I'm saying like, oh, well, then why would Santa wear red if the red repels Yeah,
0: this doesn't help your argument.
2: Except that one thing if we're and and think think about it from this perspective that um, shading comes come from something that I'm not, I'm not going to go into too much right now because it's definitely probably a series of episodes for us uh, It's called the sitra afra. It's the other side mm-hmm. and one of the aspects to the sitra afra that is defining is That its intention is to de- deceive right so With all the other six that I'm about to go through, keep in mind that there is some deception possibly happening here, and that the wearing of the color red could be purposefully to trick us all into thinking that this is not issue.
0: Interesting. Amusing side note, as we were writing Citra and Acra into the iPad that now sits on Alan's lap, it kept correcting the words to sitar and avocado, thinking that our podcast is much more hipster than it actually is. But with that in mind.
2: Yeah, I, I gotta go through the rest of these pretty quick. Okay, so you but, did red,
0: and then what, what else?
2: Um, entering through a chimney means what's he avoiding? The door. The front door, all right? Yeah. Anyways, right?
0: Like Angel just... and Buffy.
2: Right, so like our... our <laughs> is that the, 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 Yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a vampire. You, you can't
0: go through the man? front door. Well, you have to be invited in, whatever. You have to watch the show eventually. <laughs> okay. I can't keep making okay. these references without you. Uh-huh.
2: I'll trust you. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, for in a number of places it says in the, in the Gemara it talks about this, the Shifcha Besht. In Gemara,
0: in the Talmud, in the section on idol worship, of, idol worship of Vodah yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a Hasidic work about the Bal Shem Tov, it talks mm-hmm. about, uh, about this, that Shadim keep away from kosher mezuzahs. And, and so having a As kosher mezuzah on, on the doors of your home. Which homework, I imagine
0: you can get in the gift shop right here at the
2: uh,
0: <laughs> National Museum of American Jewish History. Um, Yeah. And they also, well, the other thing that occurs to me about the chimney thing in particular is that Shadim like to hang out in kind of dirty, creepy places. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be, that would be maybe appealing to someone of of that ilk.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, if you're not sold on that, I... I, I, I suggest that it is, well, it's possible if you want to go home and look at the mezuzas, the, the actual scrolls inside the cases in your homes, and you turn it over to the back side. On the front mm-hmm. side, obviously, it says the Shema, which is the mitzvah that we're supposed to do. And on the back side, you will see a, 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 an inscription in a weird Hebrew that is not actually Hebrew. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a formulation. It's uh, a code
3: language. It's a, a code secret
2: language. code. Exactly. That. Um, is there specifically as something of an amulet-like purpose to keep the shading away.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, there's other things on the back, too. But anyway, um, and... Uh, the
0: moral of the story is always turn it over. Turn it and turn it, for everything mm-hmm. is in it. Ah. ah. My Jewish educators are with me
2: right now. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. Um,
0: Number okay. three was works at night. Works at night. Yes. Yes.
2: So there are a number of places, two examples of which are in the Gemara and is Psachim. Mm-hmm. There's a whole bunch on it. And the Chidu Shehagadah is to, to, to brothers. I know I'm saying a lot of Hebrew. These are sources. I'm giving you the sources to where to find these things. Uh-huh. Um, uh, where it talks about how Shadim are most powerful at night. At least mm-hmm. they're in the most numbers at night. Right. And they... Um, we did an episode where we talked about how they travel in groups of nine. Right. Sure. Well, if sure. One. I mean, there's also like hundreds of thousands, and there's you know like this. right. They're also obviously
0: everywhere and hanging out and completely terrified so if we could actually see them. Well, that's because, the source.
2: That's the Chedusha Agadah. Is is one of the one of the uh, texts that is commenting on that source that you're mentioning right now in right. Rabbis, where it says, if a person could see all the shades around them, they would be paralyzed from fear, and they wouldn't be able to. They would just be parallel, So
0: in the Talmud, in in Brachot, in the tractate of Brachot, yes, there is a line that basically says, if you could really see all the shading that are around us all the time, it would completely freak you out, and you'd never be able to do anything.
2: Right. So the Chiddush Agudas comes and explains specifically when we're talking about this at night. Right. Uh, is uh, is especially bad.
0: Yeah. Night is creepy. Yeah. I hear that. What um, else you
2: got? So, number four was uh, instantaneous travel.
0: Yeah. It's called in Hebrew.
2: Kvitsa st- Yeah. Tz- okay.
0: So, being super speedy.
2: Right. So, a couple of places in that's Eruvin. So, in the
0: tractate, the Talmudic tractate of Aruvine, which an Eruv is that imaginary string around a community that sort of defines what you can do inside and outside. It's very complicated.
2: There are other kinds of Aruv, but yeah that's
0: your Yes.
2: Thing. So right. So um, there's a story that mentions one of your favorites, yes, sheda Joe. Where so so there's two rabbis, one in the town of Surah and one in the town of Pubadista, mm-hmm. and they're far away from each other.
0: And there's no texting.
2: There's right. <laughs> I right. No Phones of any kind, uh, but really? they want to
0: share messages between one another. Right, and so they enlist their pet shade, their buddy Joe the Demon, to basically take messages from one place to the other, and he does it instantaneously.
2: Over the course of a Shabbos, it would take much longer if it were done by naturally. Oh And natural yeah, he's mates.
0: working on Shabbos.
2: Well, there's that. There's that, and there's there, there's I mean, I he's involved, and in, uh, I encourage everyone to go learn the Mem Gimel Um
0: Thanks. So wait, but so the point is that Shadim, like angels, actually like Malachim, can right. travel very, very far, very, very quickly, which is a thing that's, well, that's like useful when you're Santa Claus and you have a lot of work to do in one night.
2: Right, and that's the other thing. Like Malachim, you mentioned that's in as a gemara in which is talking about the holidays.
0: Yes. Chachiga. Um,
2: right, and they that um, that the Shadim represent uh, resemble. Malachim in that they both have this ability to fly from one end of the world to the other.
0: Right. Uh-huh. So there's this, there's this fabulous list in the Talmud of the ways that demons and angels, the things that they have in common, and um, the things that are different, and the things that distinguish human beings. And one of the things is this just crazy ability to be like Superman and fly really quickly from one place to another. Right.
2: Um, in case you're wondering, well, maybe Santa is a Malach then, because that's an ability that the Malachim.
0: That would go better with the traditional telling, yes.
2: However, Uh-oh.
0: in that very same
2: text of Chagiga, uh, um, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: so uh, this is the fifth one now, I think. Yeah, the fifth one. Sure. Um, it separates that one ability that Shadim have that Malaching do not have mm-hmm. is the ability to tell certain things that you wouldn't expect them to be able to tell, such as the future. Mm. Because um, Malachim do not have this this ability. God doesn't give them that ability. God also doesn't give Shadim the ability, but Shadim are sneakier. And there is something called the Pargoid, which is like a separation in the the spheres of heaven. Right, the supernal realms, right? Yes. Um, That uh, the Shadim have no shame about, and they go right up to it, and they listen. That's how they can tell. Right. So they're That's like, how they can tell if you're sleeping or if you're awake.
0: So there's there's basically this divine boardroom, right? Sure. And the shady are going up there with cups and like pushing their heads to the door and figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it's not as though they have a particular ability to tell the future, they're just little punks and like listening in on what the CEO is talking about. I that guess. might happen. I guess. Right.
2: I really don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you really
0: don't know, you gotta check this out. Verify um, your sources. Okay, so so, so yeah, a shade so, so a malach might not know
2: sees you when you're sleeping knows when you're awake but a shade could right. So um,
0: okay, all right. I am getting progressively more convinced that Santa might be real because Santa might be a shade.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: This is a delightful intellectual exercise. But wait, there's,
2: there's, there's more. more. Um, so the the sixth thing was about leaving food that's left out.
0: Right. And which I've seen a huge many thing. a heartwarming commercial about cookies and milk being left out for Santa.
2: Sure. Um, it
0: mostly makes me want cookies and milk. Not so much Christmas. I can't
2: comment on that. No? Uh, but um, <laughs> but uh, in a couple of places, so again, in Gemara Mestafis Pesachim, which I'll talk about a little bit more in a minute, mm-hmm. um, but this one even shows up in, um, in Shulchan Aruch.
0: Okay, idea. so Shulchan Aruch is, is a sort of condensed code of Jewish law, which is taking a bunch of rulings from Mishnah and Talmud mm-hmm. and putting it together into answering the question of, okay, but what do I actually do? Um, and so Shulchan Ar- is usually the go-to for questions of halakha, questions of Jewish law.
2: Right, that's fair. Yeah, so um, the uh, it's, it, it actually goes much deeper. There's a discussion between the Rambam and the bel the concept after, but-
0: Maimonides and-
2: yeah. It's, it's, like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so they uh, it says in Shulchan Aruch that there was I guess a tradition for people to leave food out as a and sort of set like a meal um, for certain occasions such as a bris milah, as a circumcision.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and uh, the Shulchan Aruch says that that's not okay to do mm-hmm. because it's it's there's a, there was a tradition of people outside of Judaism doing that as almost like a sacrifice for shading for the Mm -hmm. demons and uh, like leaving the food out for the shading to come and do that and eat it or do whatever they would do with it, it hover over it, have it whatever they would do with it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the Shobhanar says we can't do that Mm. because, not because shading aren't real, it says because we, we don't, we
0: don't sacrifice the shady. We People will think them. we're worshiping the shady. Right, we don't worship the... We... So don't leave your food sitting out for them to eat. Correct. That seems fair. Right? right? Like, don't feed the shading. Right. You can put those signs up.
2: Right? Right. Okay. <laughs> don't feed the shady. All right. So that was, that was six reasons. If, so I, I know some of you are still not really, maybe totally with me. But I think that's pretty convincing right there.
0: I'm I'm thinking you've got a kicker that you're gonna I bring us a all kicker. home
2: with. Because and the question, prove
0: that Santa is not only real, but he's real because he's a shade. Right. Um
2: and this one I think and you don't even know this one. Okay. This is and you're gonna you're probably not gonna like me for saying this. But I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um um Right. It, so the question that obviously is on everybody's mind is but shading are bad. They do harm to people.
0: Hmm. Santa,
2: what's Santa doing that's harming people?
0: Right? He's delivering joy and gifts and making the holiday season full of light and laughter.
2: Okay. What you got against Santa? So the reason, what I have against Santa is the his motive for it. Oh no. Santa <laughs> keeps a list.
0: It's true, and right. you know what? Lists have never gone well for our people. It's true.
2: So, uh, but in this list is who is naughty and yeah.
0: who is nice.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So let's not talk about the naughty folks. We, I don't know what happened. They get coal or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I guess that's a disincentive. I don't
1: know. Right.
2: But, um, <laughs> cool, coal. But, um, but the nice people get gifts, as you mentioned. Right. right? The, um, so one of the main calling cards of the sitra Afra which I again is a way too big of a topic to cover in just a few minutes,
1: right?
2: Um, is uh, material re- material reward mm. for good behavior? Really? Because right. Um, so um, there's a cu- there's a couple of reasons for it, and I, I do need to just note that there are some traditional arguments for certain people. Usually, it's. It's the tzaddikim. It's mm-hmm. the, the righteous <laughs> the people. very righteous people, right? yeah. Who do get rewards for mitzvahs mm-hmm. and doing and being good. Mm-hmm. Those tzadikim are able to get material rewards because they are tzaddikim. They know what to do with that material mm-hmm. and they can treat it in an appropriate manner
0: mm-hmm.
2: in service of Hashem.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and raise up the sparks in, in Hasidic literature. That's another thing. I'll come back to that if you, if you want. But uh, no, I'll just say the, the idea of, of finding Godliness in the material world, in materialism, is a is a somewhat something of a Kabbalistic or a Hasidic idea that um, still takes work. You don't get it just because it's December twenty fourth. You know, like it's, sure. it's it's still it's still, it's still and, and the reward for itself the reward the reward is the mitzvah itself. It's right, well, so it's form. like
0: it's also something that I feel like is really fundamental, intrinsic to Jewish thought and practice. Anyway, the idea right. that we can take this material world around us and raise it up and transform it into something holy and special and meaningful and sort of point it in the right direction to make the world a better place.
2: Right, but the, but the reward is the mitzvah itself. Right. This is something that's very basic, schar mitzvah mitzvah, it's very basic to... The reward
0: of a mitzvah is the opportunity to do another mitzvah. Or the mitzvah
2: itself. According or the mitzvah to,
0: itself.
2: Process over product. Um, ultimately saying that material, material reward, materialism for most of us, is a distraction from avoid a session, generally
0: speaking. From A, a distraction from the, from worshiping God, from right. pointing your intentions in the right direction.
2: Right, Pirkehava says, this is this idea, you, you know, it's, it's a great uh, song by Shweki, right? Um, right. So I'll, I'll just try to Nobody
0: that. knows Shweki. Oh, come on, Shweki's great oh my Um, god okay he's this orthodox uh, pop star who has this like lovely voice it's it's part of this whole kind of world of what gets referred to as like shiny shoe uh orthodox music and it's like all of these guys who are very i'm making these movements Uh, he's got a gorgeous voice
2: anyway so it's
0: so cheesy you guys it is so cheesy
2: i'm not. talking about the content is beautiful where he said where he says (laughs) a person should be like a servant um, who is uh, serving the master without the expectation of receiving a reward. You right. do it specifically yeah. it's a not course. to receive a reward. You do it yeah. because it's the right thing to do. Right. 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 Um, and uh, if, I, if I can just bring one, uh, two more things. Yes. Um, I want to tell you this. This is actually from uh, Rabbi Nachman of Breslov. Okay, so is, one
0: of the Hasidic masters. Yes. That came after the, the Baal Shem Tov was is credited with founding the <laughs> Hasidic movement, and then after that, there's all of these teachers that emerge from that, and Rabbi Nachman is the founder of Breslov Hasidism.
2: Right, and he's in, the, in a book called Sichas Aran, he describes the Yetzer Hara.
0: Sichas Aran is like stuff that Rabbi Nachman said. Yes. It's the best translation I can come right. up with on
2: the fly. And he says like this The Yetzer Hara, the evil urge, which is yes. inside all of us, comes from the Sitra Akra. Um, is like a prankster running through a crowd, waving his tightly closed hand. No one knows what's in it.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. There's a sack, right? No one knows what's in it. Mm -hmm. He goes up to each person asking, what do you think I have in my hand? Each person imagines the closed hand contains exactly what he most desires. Mm
0: -hmm. And that
2: is why everyone runs after this prankster.
0: Yeah, what's behind door number three?
2: Think about the lines in the shopping malls. Okay. believing the hand contains exactly what they want, but afterwards he opens his hand and it's completely empty. This <sighs> a description of the material world, right? The same is true of the Har. He tricks the whole world into following him. Everyone thinks his hand contains what they desire, but in the end he opens his hand and it's empty. No desire there from him. Mm-hmm. So, um, That's
0: rough,
2: man. I think is <laughs> one of the
0: worst, but then hold on. is <laughs> a pretty rough offender in terms of the like providing material things that often don't actually bring real meaning in depth. There you go. It can be a distraction.
2: There you go. And i and I just say for, um, I, I do feel like I need to mention that the question of Hanukkah gifts then comes into question, right, is mm-hmm. a, a real question. I think there are two approaches that we, we can take. <laughs> We're gonna go there? Yes, we are. The first one is that Hanukkah gifts, at least, again, in this milieu in, in America, but it's not the reward in the same sense. You don't have somebody keeping a list of who's naughty and who's nice. Hmm. Usually, people who are getting kind of gifts are just getting them. Right. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but okay. um, but um, the the other approach, and I, I, I give that one to the the grandparents in, in the listening audience. I think that's, you know. Oh
0: man, Bubbies and babies are the best.
2: That's, that's, what, they, that's what they do. Um, but um, I also have to mention it because Hanukkah gifts are extremely traditional. In fact, they predate Santa. They predate Christianity, actually. Hmm. Um, but when we're talking about Hanukkah gifts, like we're going way back, traditionally, we're not talking about, you know, Xboxes and socks and whatever. Like,
0: Xboxes and socks. I don't know. It's, Here's the range. Um, okay, yeah. We're talking about
2: Hanukkah guilt and not chocolate. Right. We're talking about you give children money. Right, and the money well, is expected to then go to Tzadka, to charity. Oh,
0: no.
2: um, that's that was a gift. That was what the gift You're was. Here, spend it
0: all in one place. Right, right,
2: right. Um, and um, hmm. so okay. it's a different thing. That's okay. awesome.
0: Awesome. This has been extremely enlightening, this right. totally innocent and...
2: can <laughs> either make us or break us. Yeah, yeah, we'll see
0: We'll see what Twitter has to say about it later. But thank you for engaging us while we go through this exercise of determining whether Santa is a shade, and therefore whether or not he's a real thing. Um, we have a couple minutes left in this lovely time that we have together. If anyone has any questions, we do have a, a mic over here that we can pass around and capture your thoughts in the podcasting universe. Um, for all of eternity. So, um, if you have any questions about what we've talked about today or anything else with regards to shading or the or or traditions that you may have seen in your own home, one of the things that we um, that we often do on the pod is we ask the question, does it demon? So we think about a you know some of the more uh, you know sort of taken for granted pieces of Jewish text and tradition. And ask if shadim are involved in that. And um, Mm -hmm. usually, unfortunately, the answer
2: is no. But every once in a while, I get lucky. Um, So, any questions from anyone? Yeah. Is there a tefira tadereh, a wafer that's specific for air travel due to the Mm -hmm. air nature of demonic spirits in Judaism?
0: Oh, interesting. Right.
2: Thank you. A kfitsat hadera involving levitating oneself from one place to another seems pretty risky. <laughs> if there are airborne demons moving from one end of the, of the world to the other.
0: Fantastic. So the question was, are there, for the sake of the recording of it here, the question was, is there a like to Derek that's specific to air travel, knowing that, as Aaron does, thank you for the question, um, that demons kind of spend their time in the air and in the mist, and that they also can, as we talked about, travel across the world and, and fly in that way. So Alan, do you know of any?
2: OK, so first of all, thank you. Great question, Aaron. Um, so, I do not know if such a prayer exists. There is a great resource online <laughs> um, called Open Sidor, if anybody isn't familiar with it. Um, if, there, if such a thing exists, I expect it would be there. Um, but That is um, where it must live. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm not familiar with one. But it's a great question because, luckily, there's a lot of, a lot of questions about when does one say tefillah, when does one say another tefillah called Birkasa Goimel, which is after somebody completes a dangerous journey, or is uh, you know mm-hmm. released, released from prison, crosses a desert, that sort of thing. Right. Well, there's so, very
0: specific instances right. of when you save your mm-hmm. um, A woman says it after she gives birth, sort of thanking for it, provided it was a safe delivery and all of that. Um, but I think the other question here is that air travel is legitimately the safest kind of travel now. And so it's more, and you don't say it's feel out of there for shorter journeys. So hopping in an Uber from our hotel to here, for instance, which we didn't because it was right around the corner, but like that's much more dangerous than getting on a plane from Chicago to Philadelphia. Um, so I think there's other questions there. But someone should write that, I think, is the, the point of our answer, and then share it on OpenSeaDoor, which is a beautiful resource that someone should give some funding to. <laughs> Amazing. Other questions?
3: Yes, I have, a, I have a question. I'm an avid listener with my... Eleven-year-old. Thank you. Uh, and um, uh, one of the, and this is sort of a meta question uh, about the podcast, uh, and that is that in, in Miriam's role as what used to be called the straight man, uh, providing ironic responses and reflections, and and often at the end providing a kind of a, a naturalizing translation of uh, what the previous story or stories have been about. Uh, it, to a certain extent, I wonder how that's supposed to interact with your your fundamental principle that shadim are real. Uh, mm-hmm. that there's a way in which it, it feels a little bit like we've got the Hasidic tradition or the Kabbalistic tradition operating mm-hmm. in tension with the Maimonidean tradition, which wouldn't admit of shadim at all.
0: Mm-hmm. So
3: um, I'm sort of wondering what the understanding is of the podcast of the role of irony which is which is on the one hand pervasive Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time there's a sincerity particularly in Allen's approach that uh, I'm still wondering how you as directors of this program are conceiving of your roles
0: yeah, oh, such a good question. Thank you, Professor. Excellent. Um, so the question was about the podcast itself and the role of irony, specifically my role as as I guess I'm the straight man. I don't know.
2: Kind um, of a comedy routine. Alan's <laughs> <straight,
1: straight>,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the straight man. Okay, yeah. I am you. the
0: comic <laughs> relief. And how does that jive with our, our premise that demons are real? And what does that mean? So I, I think... Um, it's a really interesting question and probably one that we're not going to be able to answer satisfactorily because I think this conversation has evolved along with our relationship. And um, we're sort of like living our, our marriage out loud in a way that I think a lot of couples don't. Um, but uh, my sense is that we are, we are both coming very much from a place of seriousness and respect for the tradition in all of its glory and weirdness um, and really appreciating the the many ways that, uh, the many, many, many different entry points and complexities of that tradition. And um, my way of getting into that and wrestling with it is a lot by poking fun and laughing and sort of making these weird connections between American culture and um, what I see happening in the text. And um, so I think there's an element, as much as I may not come out and say, I believe that shading are real and all around us, I would say that there is, there is truth in all of this, um, and that it is meaningful truth, and it is truth worth exploring, and it is truth that has been left underground for far too long. Um, Alan is going to say something completely different.
2: No, no, I, actually, no? I agree. I think <gasps> the word that comes to mind is nuance
0: nuance,
2: right? Okay. Because you, you can't just say, you know, um, yeah, okay, Ramba, you brought up Maimonides, my, my right? Ramba wanted very, very, very badly, I'd say, if he had two objectives, one of them would have been to convince the Jews that shading don't exist. And to much of our ears, hearing about shading is foreign and weird, and, and why is this such a part of our, A, why is this such a part of our tradition, and why have I never heard of it? The is probably Maimonides, at least in part. Mm-hmm. And um, um, Or he was certainly at, at the beginning time, like one
0: of the huge advocates of kind of removing that from the tradition.
2: Right, but at the same time, you have to remember, he was living in a context where everybody, Ashkenazi, Sephardi, everybody believed in, in shading. And it was not just believed in it, it was part of their lives. And if you believed in God and you believed in angels, why wouldn't you also believe in shading? Which Maimonides also believed in Malachi, he, yeah. but but he, he, he rejected shading. So, um, um, so, the, and and I, I do mention this sometimes on the on the podcast. There is there is sometimes a difference um, between what it says in the text, which I can point to and I can say this is the source and this is this is what it says, and you can go to your local Jewish library and find it yourself. And then there's Amcha, there's like the general population of the, 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 I don't want to say superstitions because it's not what it is. It's rooted in a real tradition. There's other things that are happening that are real and meaningful to everyday people even today.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, it's nuance. Thank you for the
0: question. podcast with an action item and I'll just take one minute. So we so what we try to do is take some of the learning that we've done in the past, you know, 25 minutes usually on the pod, in this case a little bit longer than that, um, and give our listeners something to do with it, right? Now go and learn, right? Um, so uh, my action item at least I think is drawn from this last question a little bit. I would like to encourage our listeners to go find somebody who does Judaism a little bit different from them. And and listen. Um, take a minute and listen and situate yourself in their perspective um, from a place of empathy and respect and see what that does, see what that does to your worldview, see what that does to how do you approach the tradition for yourself because it can be enormously eye-opening and I think the more that we can, the more that we as as Jews and as people as human beings living on this planet that we have so much work to do in order to maintain and make better for the generations to come um, the more that we can listen and hear where people are coming from, and see how that jabs with our own perspective and values, the better off we're going to
2: be. I mean.
0: Alan, you got something for us?
2: Uh, do more mitzvahs. I don't know if I want to go. Everybody's <laughs>
0: looking at me. Okay. Right. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. <laughs> been Thank, you so Thank you so much. <laughs>